0: Welcome to Flip the Library Gwinnett County Public Library Podcast. My name is Melissa, the branch manager at the Lilburn branch. My name is Manor. I'm a library associate at the Hamilton Mill branch.
1: And my name is Steve. I am the branch manager at the Grayson branch. In order to welcome us into summer in library land, we are here with some of our early education library associates, or as we abbreviate it internally here at the library, ELAS. So each of our 15 branches has a person in this position. Uh, ELAs are responsible for planning and programming activities in the areas of early literacy and primarily focused on the youngest members of our community, birth to five years of age. So can each of you introduce yourselves, um, your name, your branch, how long you've worked for the system, whatever you'd like to say shortly?
2: My name is Paige Mellinger, and I've been with GCPL for eight years this summer, um before I came to GCPL, I worked in a neighboring library system and in a similar position. And I've also been a teacher. So I, I started
3: teaching second grade was my first career. My name is Becca Weber and I'm at the Grayson branch, I'm formerly at the Hamilton Mill branch. And I've been with the system for about four years that will be coming up in October. Before coming to the library, I was working at a local farm called Allegre Farms, teaching kids about farm life and animals and nature, lots of fun stuff. I found the library through volunteering, and uh, the rest is history. And-
4: Hi, my name is Kavita Patel, and I am the ILA at the Lilburn location. Um, I have worked with GCPL for almost seven years. It's going to be seven in September, So, and I've, this is the only location that I've been at. Well, I come from a teaching background. I have taught, this is way back when I lived in India, I taught two, two and a half year olds to 10 year olds, um, after which I moved on to preschool planning and curriculum planning for another organization, after which I moved to the US and the library job has been my first job ever since I moved here about eight years ago. Yeah. So, so I've done a little bit of everything, I guess.
5: Hi, my name is Hannah. I am the children's librarian or ELA at the Hamilton Mill Branch Library. I have been in the system for five years um, as an ELA for the entire time. I have also have a a teaching background. I taught Georgia Pre-K for five years, and now I've been doing pretty much the same job, but even better with an ELA for five years.
6: Hi, my name is Kathy Timmons, and I work at the Snellville Branch, and I've worked for Gwinnett County Public Library for 16 years, and I've been in ELA for seven years. I have a bachelor's degree in art, and um, prior to coming to Gwinnett County Public Library, I actually worked um, as a mat- math coach at my kids' um, school, Party Elementary. And then, uh, at being an associate, I actually uh, assisted, uh, her, her name was Lee Atkins. Um, the um, children's librarian at uh, Grayson, I had assisted her at Tom's and then Jocelyn, and so uh, that's my background in education.
7: That's what I love about the library. We have people with such varied backgrounds in all of our positions. Every person is just a little bit different. So um, we're gonna ask you guys what is a typical day like for you. Since most people think a library work is mainly shelving, our ELAs have something even more unique to kind of explain. So tell the public what a typical day is like for you.
2: It's hard to say what's typical. Every day is a little bit different, but I do two or three days a week spend some time doing children's programs. I spend a lot of time on our just customer service floor, uh, working with customers directly. And I also process passports.
3: And maybe a little bit of playing time if I'm lucky. That's very relatable. My day's pretty similar to that. I think we can call ourselves the jack of all trades, being librarians in general, but especially ELAs. We have a special kind of like chaotic
4: control <laughs> over our day. It's all over the place, but in the best kind of way. It depends on what day of the week it is. If it's a regular non story time day, then it's just coming into the branch, getting started with the morning chores, helping out with all of that. And then planning for the month, really not just for the week of, if there's any outreach, you know, kind of prioritizing, okay, what needs to be done first? Okay, let's get this done.
5: For me, I took it as a typical day in ELO world. Um, but specifically as ELAs, for me, um, majority of my programs and outreach are in the morning. So in the mornings, I might have a story time or play with babies, or I might go to the local elementary school and um, maybe do something with their special needs classrooms or things like that. Um, and I know currently we are all nonstop busy getting ready for the summer. So it's exciting, but very busy. <laughs> so it's good to have time in the afternoon to prepare and plan for those things.
6: A typical day for me is I'm normally I when I come in, I normally do pending or unclaimed. Uh, that's usually something that I do. And then from there, it's answering emails or looking at emails and looking out uh, to try to figure out uh, where I'm going for the month. I'll go into the calendar, constantly making sure that my calendar is balanced with the uh, calendar uh, operations calendar to make sure that I am where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there because our job actually changes from month to month from week to week your schedule is uh, not quite set in stone so it's it's constantly uh, juggling and just making sure that you're totally organized so I think I spend a, a majority of my day making sure that I'm organized and making sure that I got materials because only when you show up, you've got to have your, you know, your books and know the theme. And it's just a, a lot. <laughs> and our, our position requires, uh, like I said, uh, a lot uh, in terms of making sure that you have the correct materials when you show up and, and planning for, as everyone else said, planning for the different activities that we do.
1: Well, speaking of those activities, some of you mentioned Uh, Story times, uh, but what are some of your favorite in-branch activities that you offer?
2: At my location right now, it's mostly story times. Um, So we're doing a lot of songs and rhymes, and of course, reading aloud and singing and dancing and playtime. And then over the summer, we'll be doing another program called um, Ready to Read, where we introduce the letters of the alphabet and it's a little bit more structured. And to get kids in practice of sitting and listening more, and really
3: those right before you start kindergarten kinds of skills. Depending on the day and depending on the branch you go to, so branches all across the board have different story times every week. I like to be crazy and active. My favorite one, which I actually just did this morning, we had sixty-five people and it was nuts in a really great way. Um, it's called music and movement, and that's all about just getting kids to be active, and then we when we switch over to like different gameplay and everything, we learn rules and we learn how to share and be patient and take turns. So even though it seems like it's all just fun and games, there's a lot to learn from fun and games.
4: I think the most popular program I offer is my toddler time, um, which is just, it's just crazy fun. I mean, we just gather and I always tell the grownups that, you know, it's going to be you and me singing and doing everything. The kids are doing what they're supposed to be doing and that's socializing because. They've missed out on on social interaction in the last two years. And most of them now are like COVID babies. They were born during the pandemic. When they first came into my story time, like when I started back in August of last year, that was the first time they had actually seen other people or other real little humans. And so they didn't know how to react. They didn't know how they should interact with each other. And that has been like, it's been great because before the pandemic, we had never expected to see a time like this. So for, for me to kind of see how everybody's ready to come back together. And so the story times, especially toddler time is, is something that I think is the most interesting program that I um,
5: I will say with my preschool time has been really good. Um, especially lately, I've had Parent after parent asks me if I'm doing it through the summer. And when I say that I am, their their faces light up. So um, it's been great. Most recently, this theme was dinosaur theme, which has been hilarious for me because I know the kids love dinosaurs, but I forgot.
6: <laughs> I forgot how much they love dinosaurs. I have to agree. The story times have been probably uh, the most popular. The things that we do in story time, such as the singing and the, with the scars and manipulatives and having the kids move around and dance, um, you know, parents have... Truly enjoyed that. And uh, as the other two ladies said, um, a lot of the kids have not seen other kids. So it's really good to see them interact with other children. And of course, the parents aren't apologizing. But we understand and and, and the kids are we're seeing that they're starting to settle down. But the first um, when we first opened, they were a little excited and busy is the words I'd like to use for what we saw in story time. I know for me,
5: um, whenever my weekend shift is, uh, I do offer a bilingual story time, which I do with one of my coworkers. Um, So it is a Spanish-English story time just for kids of really all ages. Uh, That has been really good. I've met a lot of new families who have recently come to Gwinnett from other counties and they're used to having foreign language classes in their schools. And unfortunately in Gwinnett, you know, I know for Hamilton mill, we just have one school that has, you know, dual immersion or something. So for us to be able to provide story times in other languages is really, really good in my opinion. And then I also do a sensory story time on the weekends on Sundays, which are typically our slower day. And that is for the families who want to come and um, they might have sensory needs and it's a smaller group. And it's quieter. So we do try to offer I know that I'm not the only one we try to offer programs for families on the weekends or when it's not these massive, you know, toddler preschool story times that way you do have kids who can come and just relax and be themselves and not worry about 50 people going crazy around them. So that's nice.
6: The one thing that I do, and I think that um, I'm not sure if other branches are doing it, but occasionally I get to do it maybe once a month or at least once um, once every other month, is an online painting class, uh, acrylic painting for the children. And uh, we turned it into a hybrid program so kids can paint inside the branch as well as online. So the video is actually um, being recorded as well as I'm doing the painting class with the children. And um, the benefits is just uh, an opportunity to you know practice motor skills and then also to express themselves. And then we talk about the colors and brush strokes and uh, depending upon what the uh, art piece is, we may um, you know e- either talk about the artist, what, what we're trying to do. Uh, we're trying to do an art piece similar to this particular artist, but we also try to make it educational, but also it's therapeutic as well and relaxing and fun.
0: The hybrid program sounds like a really good idea so that you can cater to both audiences too. So it makes it feel more it reaches more people. So I think that's really great.
4: For a while, we were offering um, bilingual story time. And since at Lilburn we had several staff members who spoke various languages. So we did like, English-Spanish. I used to do an English-Hindi story time. Then um, we have another co-worker who is Vietnamese, so we did an English-Viet. We're going to start back, hopefully in the fall again, but that was was a good uh, program. So
0: what is the most interesting outreach event that you have attended or organized? My
2: favorites so far have been story time with the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. I got to meet them both at the Mall of Georgia. And that was a super fun time, big crowd of kids, um, a lot of local people, but we got to meet
3: a lot of new people there, too. So it was it was really fun. Recently, I had the wonderful opportunity to experience sensory story time and learn a little bit more about that. I definitely didn't have a ton of experience with it before. So I was trying to you know do some self-training and get some, you know, pick some of the other ELAs brains and use services. So I did an outreach at elementary school just a few days ago, and I did three story times back-to-back for three different classes who had um, sensory needs, and it was so special. I, I, every single one of them was very different in really unique ways, and they were small classes, so you know under 11 kids for each, and each one had a very specific event that happened. At one point, I had a little kid who grabbed my hands, and he put my hands on his face, and then we were just sitting there, we were reading the story and my hands were on his face and it was just comfortable. And I, that's a win for me <laughs> because when they're comfortable, it means they feel safe and it's a good thing.
1: Now that we're easing up COVID restrictions a little bit, we're able to go out and do more of those um, outreach events in the community and the schools.
4: The most recent ones that I've started just about a couple of, a well, few months ago is on the weekends. I do an apartment complex outreach on Saturdays and homeless shelter outreach on Sunday. It's the weekend that I work. The shelter and the apartment complex both have been really, really, I mean, it's been an eye opener because it's amazing how these kids love the library. They love everything we do, but they just don't have the means to go to the library. So that was one of my goals where I wanted to take the library to, you know, families that couldn't make it for various reasons. Um, A lot of them have transportation issues or a lot of them are undocumented and just don't want to be coming into a government building. So taking the library events, programs, story times, crafts, STEM, STEAM activities to them is, it's been, it's been amazing. They have loved every moment of it. I've
5: mentioned this before. I wish we had a local shelter or something because i Definitely would have that same thought. So that's awesome, Kavita. Recently, I've been doing um, quite a few STEM nights with our learning lab specialist, Noel, here. And I really like doing that. I like to collab with the learning lab, not only for the kids' sake, but also to um, open the eyes up of the parents and the teachers and educators to so let them know not only you know what I can do and you know what children's programs we have, but I love to promote the labs because, well, that's the whole point of them, <laughs> right, is to let the community be aware. We, when we go, we try and just think of different things to take with us. So um, recently we always take like the 3D printers, which the kids love, the parents are amazed by. And recently we took the Harry Potter ones, which was really fun. So it's like with coding. And then they got to take home little catapults, like a STEM activity kind of make and take at their house.
6: Probably the most interesting uh, outreach events um, that that I've attended probably is just being able to see the differences between the kids that come inside the branch, the story times that we have in the branch, the um, toddler times and the preschool times, and then going outside the branch and being able to see a daycare and then seeing Montessori, how different the children are and how themes and the different expectations and so it actually uh, it's opened up my eyes to to see like uh, different ways and how creative uh, we can be to, to reach children in different environments the expectation is like uh, I'm always surprised like I'm, I may go in with one assumption and get there and and just basically see that uh, what we're doing in the library is still some of this a lot of the same things that paid teachers are actually doing in terms of their story times or, or, or what they're doing what they have some a lot of the things they have there not necessarily technology but a lot of the non-technology things they are doing there we're doing also at the library. so it's been a learning experience for me being able to see the differences between the Montessori the daycare and what we're doing in the branch.
7: Can you guys tell us about the 2022 summer reading challenge and what makes summer reading so special?
2: What it usually looks like here is seeing a lot of familiar faces returning. We have, for some reason, a lot of families who visit us primarily during the summer. When they come see us, we can really pull out all the stops and treat them to the much higher number of items they can take home. And it's
3: exciting for everybody involved. We offer a lot of different programs throughout the summer for all ages and we always focus them around our theme for the year. So this year's theme is Oceans of Possibilities. You better believe we're going to have a lot of different programs that revolve around sea creatures and the ocean and pirates and all that good stuff. This summer at Grayson, we're going to offer a Reading Buddies program. So it's a chance for younger elementary school kids to practice their reading during summer if they might be struggling or to just stay up on their skills. Summer
4: is here and and we get an amazing amount of questions and responses from our families who attend story time, but how excited they are um, to finally be coming back. And like Hannah mentioned earlier, we have families ask us, you know, are we going to continue having story times during the summer? What, what, what are the special events that we have for the summer? And so I think everybody's ready um, to come back and just have a great summer. Summer has always been special, but I think this year it's, it's going to be more special because we're kind of making a comeback after two years and two crazy years, actually. So I think everybody's ready. I'm ready. I mean, I am I know it's it's a really busy time and that's what makes it more special, I guess.
5: Yeah. I mean, the overall theme is it's supposed to get kids engaged and excited to read, you know, while they're having, trying to have fun during the summer. Um, I love getting the response all the time from parents like, yeah, trying to make them. And I tell them all the time, we'll just tell them number one, they can just read the books that they have to do for school. And number two, they can get books as prizes, which is a great incentive. That's one thing I always like is that the kids actually want to get books for prizes. (laughs) Cause I don't remember. I remember as a child, I like to read and I basically grew up at the library, but I remember back in the day I would want like brave tickets and a pizza. Like, (laughs) so um, it's exciting to know that the kids want books as prizes.
6: I hear kids uh, that move from other counties and even from other states, they're pretty familiar with the summer reading program. And even if we don't uh, bring up the program itself, parents actually ask us, is there some type of summer reading program or do you have some reading program over the summer? So it's good to be able to offer the summer reading program. And that's something that you can also do at home online, or you can also do the paper um, you know, copies and, put, and and log your books that way. So I think it's wonderful that we're uh, offering so many different ways um, for children to keep up with their reading and to take part in a summer reading program and I like the fact that it's nationwide because again if uh, you know other counties are doing something very similar and then uh, other kids from other states or kids who are coming to stay with their grandparents over the summer uh, the grandparents will come in and, and ask about the summer reading program and they're familiar so it's great that we have that to offer. So it wouldn't be a library podcast without a question about books.
7: So what are some of your favorite books to read to kids at story
2: time? Since we are talking about summer and oceans and fish, I am looking forward to the pout pout fish at story time. And there's a lot of emotion in that book maybe even just a lack of emotion. But it's so much fun to read aloud and it's so much fun
3: for the kids to participate in. I agree. This summer will bring a ton of fun to the books that we are going to read, especially with things like Rainbow Fish. I mean, that's definitely going to be read. (laughs) Some of my favorite books are ones that I can have the kids interact with me because they love getting a chance to call out what they see on the page. And while we normally want them to try and sit still and be quiet for a book... With interactive books, they're encouraged to tell you what they see. Um, A really good author that does this is Tom Fletcher for picture books. And it's, you know, there's a blank in your book. So there's a monster in your book. There's an alien, superhero, unicorn. And they're really interactive. And you get to do things like shake the book along with it, turn it. And you have the kids like tap the pages. So many amazing books that have been written in the past couple years. One of them that I saw recently was called Beautifully Me. I don't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but it's a very sweet book about accepting yourself. And it's a just lovely out- artwork and, you know, personal history.
4: I love picking books that are interactive. Some of my favorite books are like, there's a monster in your book or Bark George where, you know, it, it's a crazy story. I mean, they're silly stories, but they're just amazing because... It keeps the child engaged and it, it keeps them guessing. And of course, it kind of broadens their imagination and makes them be like, oh, okay, how did that happen? So I love books like that involve and keep the, the children kind of help me with the story. Yeah,
5: I especially love gross motor interactive books. So, um, like Eric Carl's From Head to Toe, they're moving around like animals. Another one's called Move Your Mood by Brenda Miles. It's just getting them to literally just do different animal movements. And so they are engaged. And I also like books that are interactive in the sense that it seems like the story, like they are affecting the story right on the pages. So a big series is uh, by Christy Matheson. One of hers is called Touch the Brightest Star. Books like that really get them engaged and they can take it home and do it themselves now that they've done it with us, which is cool.
6: I like those books as well. Um, interactive books are awesome. Um, the, my favorite author is Eric Litwin and um, the books is Groovy Joe. Um, I like uh, Pete the Cat. Uh, I love my white shoes. Um, uh, four Groovy Buttons. Um, you can do flannel and, and kind of reenact the story without the book. Or you can um, also hold the book up and, um, go through the book, but you give, um, parents the opportunity also to interact. Like, uh, you can tell them, Hey, every time I say this parents, I need you to say this. And then of course the kids are, uh, interacting as well. So yes, absolutely. We got to keep them moving. So the interactive books, call and response books are, um, the best books to keep, uh, to keep their attention and uh, to bring them back in, reel them back in.
0: So we talked about the kinds of books that y'all like to read for your story times, but we want to know what kind of books do y'all like to read in your free time?
2: Uh, bold of you to assume that I don't read picture books just for myself. Uh, truly, truly, though, I think picture books are for everybody. And I think that they're valuable as art. And I think that a lot of adults would be surprised by how deep and meaningful the stories are even in that picture book format. The Candy Dish, um, author's last name is Yamada, and Time is a Flower by Morstad. The illustrations are beautiful. The messages are beautiful. And I think everybody could find something to take away from that. When I'm not reading picture books, I think my favorite genre to go to is fantasy. I'm trying to work on new series, but I always end up going back to the Tolkien books and to Harry Potter because they're great in every format, The audiobooks are amazing. They're great print books. Um, There are a lot of illustrated editions of those too. So that's where I stay.
3: I am definitely a fantasy kid. (laughs) Have been and always will be. I try to branch out to different things like mystery and adventure, but I always come back to fantasy. (laughs) My most recent one that I read was called Ariadne. Ariadne. Um, by Jennifer Saint. And it was an amazing book about Greek mythology. Anything that involves mythology and ancient history and any culture, so much fun. I love when they rework the old tales. A lot of fun. Yes. Um, Good time
2: to shout out Neil Gaiman as a favorite author too.
4: I guess a little bit of kind of everything, maybe sometimes mystery, sometimes just something easy. Like right now I just started um, this book called Well-Behaved Indian Women, which is about its kind of expectations, of what women are, what were, were um, back in the day to the more modern generation where they, you know, kind of want to break the barriers and do their thing. And in some families, it's looked down upon, society looks down upon that. So it's it's been interesting so far, but I, I like Something that's not going to stress me out. Um, I just like something that's going to just make me happy. Any suspense thriller that will make you read the whole book, right?
5: Because a lot of times we don't have time <laughs> to even read them. So you want something that's going to make you keep getting into it. So like um, authors like Ruth Ware, I really like her type of mysteries. also like to kind of delve into the um, YA book sometimes. My favorite genre for YA fantasy. Uh, Sarah Moss, her series is cool sometimes. I'm kind of like Kavita, just something that's going to get me into the book, into a different world, maybe that will keep me reading it.
7: Yeah. I think people overestimate how much we read. Just, yes.
5: you know, everyone knows the classic, oh, you're a librarian. You read all day. I <laughs> wish <right? laughs> I actually
0: got to read all day. You know how much, you know how many videos I would get done if that was the case? We're all just here for the escapism though, truly. Like that's yes. really why we're reading for the yes. escapism. <laughs>
4: exactly. I read more books before I worked at the library than I do
6: now yes. I actually like to read self-help books and I started reading self-help books probably like a long, long, long time ago. And my kids have seen me read self-help books and they have this little funny joke that they say, they're like, mom, when are you going to be helped? Come on now. Can you not read something different? But I actually love reading self-help books. Especially um I recently I read the one uh What Happened to You uh Oprah Winfrey uh has a few quotes in the book as well, you know and then I also like autobiographies. I read Cicely Tyson, uh Tabitha Brown. So I I, li- I love li- reading about people's lives and it's to me that's a good escapism just to kind of um to, to be in someone else's shoes and read about their life from birth until the present. So that's what I enjoy reading.
7: To wrap up, what would you like most caregivers to know about their role in the lives of children under their care?
2: Talk to your kids. Even before you read to your kids, talk to your kids. Tell them what you're doing. Talk about what you are looking at. Just anything that you're doing. Narrate it. Build the vocabulary. Build the relationship. Build the language skills.
3: I can say that there's so many different varying skill levels with all the different kids that come in. And I love seeing when parents can talk to their kids and just have a normal conversation. Um, It's a very special thing to see because the kids will feel like their parents want to talk to them. And then that will encourage them to talk to others and make friends and learn about social cues and how to play, how to share, how to be patient, which are all tough skills, even for a lot of adults. And I know that's hard for introverted parents, for sure, but if it's worth doing with anyone, it's definitely your kids. Also, I want to let everyone know that they're always welcome at the library. Everyone is welcome. We love having people of all ages and getting to see the way that we impact people's lives from the littlest ones that come to baby and me, all the way up to the oldest ones that we do senior citizen outreach with. We can try to help everyone and we want to help everyone, so... Please come see us.
2: We really, really do love to see everyone. Our chalkboard in our kids' room every day has a message that just says welcome, because that's what we want to
4: put forward to our community.
2: And we may not know your names, but we do know you. <laughs> we recognize you and we love to see you.
4: I always try and tell them, you know, to be, well, you're you, you are your child's first teacher. So everything you do, everything you say, everything you don't say is you know your child is watching. Um, they're going to learn from what you do, so try and be a great role model. Sing a lot. I tell them anything you want. You want them to clean up, or if you want them to help, you know don't don't tell them. However, you know whether they're really itty bitty or if they're even older. I mean, I did that with my son, and he's 22 now, and I did it for the longest time with him. I'd be like, sing and tell him, you know, let's do this, let's do that, and even though they don't like doing chores around the house but that whole singing thing changes the mood and it also with the little ones it it kind of expands their their vocabulary and just kind of teaches them new words teaches them new concepts I tell them when you're driving you know point out the things around them let them you know start observing things the traffic light what color is it what thing? do you see this do you see that just try and be as involved as you can. And your child will always be a lifelong learner. Two things come to mind for me.
5: Firstly, when we are in the branch and we're doing our programs, often we have parents come up, like I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, I'm so sorry, my toddler was running around or they weren't paying attention or they weren't doing this or this. And I just look at them and I say, it's perfectly fine. Like that is their age. Um, even if they are over here playing with Legos instead of Sitting down, listening to me read the story, they're still absorbing it, right? They're constantly absorbing everything that they see and hear, like Kavita was saying. And because of that, second part of what I was going to say is that it's very important to explain to parents because sometimes, surprisingly, they don't know. From birth, they they are learning. You know, they might not be speaking right now, um, but if you are constantly reading to them at bedtime or singing them a song, whatever the case may be, they will be absorbing it. Even when I was teaching, I had a parent one time. Often it happens where, you know, the first semester, maybe the child is barely speaking and it's a, a concern, you know, why aren't they talking, you know, are they understanding. And then that second semester comes around and the child is nonstop chatting. And that's because they just needed to be comfortable. And you know that's something to explain to caregivers, whether it's at the library or at home or wherever the case may be. If they're not doing what you think that they should be doing on a certain level of their age, it's okay. Every child is different. Um, Their developmental stage and rates are going to be different, but it doesn't mean anything negative. You know, eventually they're going to show you hey, I do know what's up and I'm going to tell you, and then you won't be able to stop them from talking.
6: Um, I try to explain to parents that, uh, and basically everything that everyone else has said, but also that the fact that what I would like the caregiver to know is that uh, even the the part of uh, story time where we're playing and we, we have our uh, activities, the, the play activities, that's a major part of the kids learning and playing with their kids. It's still the learning process. Yes, the story time is wonderful and the songs is great and we're doing the scarves. When we're actually playing with blocks or playing with other things, they're still uh, that's the time to still be learning connecting with your child. And then also, even sometimes I know that caregivers get distracted because we all get distracted. But when the child is pointing to something, go ahead and acknowledge what the child is saying. They're trying to, you know, communicate. But the main thing is just the mere fact that constantly being aware of what your child is interested in, you're interested in it. And it promotes the learning between the connection between the parent and the child.
4: And I think piggybacking off of what Kathy said, it's also important to teach, you know, you teach. Like she said, at story times, they learn songs and we do stories. They also need to learn other skills and social skills, like, you know, waiting for their turn or, you know, things like that, Um, sharing. And I used to do that when we used to do crafts back in the branch pre-COVID. I used to deliberately take less glue sticks out for, for crafts just so that they learn to wait. They learn to share. They learn to, you know, those skills are also very, very important to teach
0: well, I just want to say that I appreciate you guys a lot because I could never do your job, and I'm glad you guys are here.
4: Children like routine,
7: and when we mess up their story time routine, they usually don't like it. So we yeah. we always realize how important Elas are when they're on vacation or absent. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we appreciate all the hard work you do because I've done story times before, and they they can be very stressful. Fun. <laughs> And fun and fun. But that that that's why you guys are so great at what you do. I think we love we
4: all love what we do. So
1: it comes through. And I think the kids the kids the kids can tell.
7: We'd like to thank all of our ELAs for speaking with us today. Um, We appreciate all of the hard work that they do. And if you're in the library, please stop by and say hello. We'd love to talk to you. (laughs) And please join Summer Reading.
1: Flip the Library provides an inside look at Gwinnett County Public Library and brings to light the many ways the library impacts and enriches our customers' lives. Go to gwinnettpl.org slash podcasts to find out more about the library's podcasts and to get new episodes of Flip the Library, follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate and review it on your podcast app up to date with the library on social media at Gwinnett Library. Thanks for listening. Connect, learn, and grow with your Gwinnett County Public Library.